Hi, everyone. You're listening to Agency of Change. I'm Scott Bateman, CEO of Comio. And I'm Brock Fisher, Head of Strategy at Comio. It's great to have you with us today. It is. Agency of Change is a podcast that aims to showcase expertise, innovation, and best practice in residential real estate in Australia. That's right. And that means we get to talk to truly awesome people like today's guest, Sophie Lyon. Sophie, you're a partner and the general manager of property management at Jealous Craig. Uh, in addition to that, you've got, well, 22 years at the, the Real Estate Institute of Victoria. We're well, currently a director, so I'd love to dive into a few questions around uh, around that if we could. Can you just give us a bit of an outline, I guess, about the, the Sophie journey to now? Yeah, well, basically, like anybody, no one said go into real estate after school. Um, so my parents got a bit sick of me kind of just bouncing around into retail jobs, so they sent me off to do a receptionist course got a job in a real estate company and I maintain to this day that if I had realised I had to work every Saturday, I wouldn't have taken it. Um, But so got that job and then pretty much the rest is history. I worked with this amazing property manager, um, Carolyn Knight, and she, I just used to watch her and I thought I want to do that. Um, And so I got a job as a property manager and then, you know, evolved through some amazing companies that I was very privileged to have worked with. So Woodards, Kay and Burton, Philip Webb, um, and now, Giles Craig. So I'd love to talk a bit about the uh, the industry advocacy piece and I guess about leadership as well, but interested to talk for a little moment about your actual time as a property manager. So how long were you a property manager for? And, um, you know, how do you feel the challenges were, were then compared to the present day? Oh, man. When I started, property management was nothing compared to what it is now. Um, It was pretty much a job that either guys did before they went into sales or um, women did until they went off and had babies. It was never, it was never (laughs) a career choice. Do you know what I mean? It was just like a stopgap kind of thing. Um, You know, the, the, the evolution of property management has honestly been quite fascinating and it's been really cool to have been in it back then um, and to understand where it's come from and um, so the the changes that have come through recently though I think it adds another layer of complexity um, and another layer of responsibility on property managers and I, I think from a from a government perspective it's it's a, a smidge unfair um, when you look at the, the the training that property managers get at the moment, which to get your agents rep in Victoria, which changes in October, yeah. but to get your agents rep in Victoria up until now, you, you could knock that out in five days. Um, five days later, they expect you to be educated enough to go and sit at a desk and manage the biggest investment that people will ever have, plus try and understand all the legislation, plus, um, you know, it, it, it's just crazy. It's been crazy for a long time. And I think it's, it's unfortunately probably just got a little bit worse as well. So if you can ask then, what, what are the better companies doing in your opinion, in terms of extending the support and training that property managers get beyond the kind of bare bones, you know, tick the box, I've got the certificate. What are the best ones doing to kind of help them settle in and become really proficient at the role? I think the, well, the support has to be ongoing and it has to start up with um, with a fair bit of, of induction, like a really good solid induction. Um, like I think back to um, to when I got the job at Woodards and basically I was shown into my little cubicle and I was told, well, there you go, there's your phone, there's your computer, go manage. Go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the phone rang, I picked it up and sort of just, you know, just had to wing it. But um, wow. You can't, you can't do that now. You've got to, 
you've got to make sure that people know where to find the information, um, who to ask if they don't know the information, um, the way that, that your company wants people to be to be spoken to and dealt with, what the timeframes are for getting back to people. Um, you know, this letter's here, um, this information's here, making sure they understand, you know, the um, the software programs. And, you know, that, that in itself needs a bloody degree with some of them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because you've got to, okay, you want to find tenancy information or information on tenants, you have to go over here. If you want to find information on the current tenants and landlords, you need to go over here. If you want to do some maintenance, you need to go over there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a, um, there's a lot, I think, for people to, um, to get through. Um, and then there's a the new legislation on top of that. So can I ask you though? So um, you know, circa 20 years ago, um, when you were sort of first getting started in the industry, a lot of people that were renting were renting because it was a transitionary step before you bought a home. Nowadays, increasingly more of us are renting for life, whether by choice or not. Um, are you seeing that the demands of tenants uh, is changing as a consequence of wanting something very different from a rental to what they might have some time ago, or being in it for longer? Uh, I think there's definitely people staying in them for longer. The, the irony is that if you had have asked me two years ago, you wanted to make an investment, property investment in Victoria um, or in Melbourne in particular, I would have said to you go with a one-bedroom flat any day of the week. Um, I managed some one-bedroom flats and I actually still manage a portfolio, um, but I, I've got some very long-term clients um, and I've got that beautiful relationship with them that I pretty much don't even tell them what's going on. I just like, you know, the tenant moves out, I put another tenant in, the money keeps going through to them, they're happy. So, uh, but that's taken a long time to build. It's not something you can expect to be able to do, you know, in, in a short term. Um, but I had tenants in those one bedroom flats for, you know, 10, 15, 18 years. Um, so that that idea of people renting for life, I think has has actually been around for a long time. Um, it just hasn't been as, as prevalent in the media as it is now. The demands of tenants, I think, I haven't seen them change greatly just lately with the changes to the legislation, um, but there's definitely, with the, the tenants who've been in, in properties for a long time, um, you find that, ironically, they stop asking for maintenance they just kind of do it because it's it's their home so they just sort of wander around and they'll fix the cupboard door and they'll do that sort of stuff it's only when they're really big costly issues um that they tend to make contact but i i feel that that will probably be what will start to shift so we'll touch on legislation in a, in a moment but i just wanted to kind of explore a little bit about your long-term role in in the advocacy piece for the industry and, and providing a voice for property management your involvement with REIV uh, and property management chapters and the like. So, what prompted you to kind of get involved in that in the first uh, in the first instance? I, I, there was always a lot of attention paid to sales, um, and then I found out there was a property management chapter at the REIV, and I was a bit curious about getting involved in that. So, um, I've been on that. I think other than a small break, um, and you were actually very generous to me when you said it was twenty two years. It's actually thirty. Um, so thank you. Um, thank you for making me eight years younger than I actually am. Yeah, it doesn't look like right. it, Sophie. <laughs> you started when you were I started, 12? I always say I started when I was nine, but considering oh. I'm, <laughs> I'm now old enough to get the COVID vaccine and I'm at the front of the queue, um, <laughs> might give you a bit of an idea how old I actually am. So, um, so it, it was, 
yeah, it, it was an opportunity to get involved with the with the REIV um, and find out how that all worked. Um, and then again, the rest is history. I mean, you know, I, I actually I love property management. Um, I've always enjoyed it. It's not something that I've ever wanted to get out of. So I just felt like, um, you know, people people ask me for my opinion. So I was like, okay, great. You know, it's an opportunity it for me to voice it. So here is my opinion. Um, and it's, you know, one of those funny things, the more that you you say, the more that people sort of go, oh, we'll ask her. <laughs> she seems to know a bit about property management. We'll go and ask her. <laughs> um, and from that, you just develop your skill set and you, so it's it, it kind of one feeds the other, really. So that's that's pretty cool. In terms of that advocacy piece, how do people, like, how do you, I guess, keep in touch with the broader industry? Because there, you know, it is a pretty big scene, particularly in Melbourne and Victoria. So what's the process for people kind of surfacing issues with you and, and kind of escalating those to an advocacy type piece? Um, through, well, probably my, the majority of my advocacy is done um, through the REIV on behalf of the REIV. Um, so that's, they people reach out to you via that particular channel um, or they, you know, they, they Google, I don't know what they Google, I might try that. I might try Googling like <laughs> property management experts or something and see what comes up. Um, you know, and, and again, speaking at conferences and stuff, you get the opportunity that, you know, you, you connect with um, with other speakers and and because you've got that um, that common ground and it's sort of a bit of a like mind to a certain extent, you you do lean on each other and, you know, you've got, a, a, I, um, there was a thing on, um, I was at a, a conference the other day and they had a, um, an opportunity like an auction and you could buy um, an hour with these three great brains of real estate and I looked at it and went all three of those people's numbers are in my phone so do you know what I mean they're like these, these are people that I know these are people that I can actually just ring up and go hi how you doing um, and and the majority of them are just they're you know just normal nice people so it's yeah. really quite cool being able to to reach out to those people and to that extent um but they would also just pick up the phone even if they didn't know you do you know what i mean it's if i'm not saying that because we're mates it's because i've got that network i reckon they're the sort of people that would talk to anybody about anything yeah i think the industry generally is quite accessible if you just a lot of people take the view they're always happy to help anyone um that actually wants to be helped yeah absolutely So let's talk legislation. Uh -huh. I was just about oh, to go there, but you went there I'm, too. Scott. I'm living a bit of deja vu. So a, a few years ago, before I came into property management, I was in financial services and I left financial services not long after all the rules changed around the way you paid for financial advice. And it was interesting because it was clearly well-intentioned change, trying to protect people from getting sold products they didn't want and need and so on but it had a series of unintended consequences, which meant people who really should have been getting financial advice suddenly couldn't. Uh, and we found people dropping out of the industry because of the onerous complexity and everything else that came with it all. And in fact, in aggregate, I'd, I'd argue my personal opinion is that the changes have had more of a detrimental effect despite being well-intentioned. I worry looking at some of the change in Victoria that we could be going down a similar path I'd love to kind of phrase this as a two-part question. One is, do you mind explaining at a high level 
some of the key changes for those that aren't from Victoria, perhaps, because they're wondering what an RRP is, for example. Um, <laughs> and your just retail view, price, people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> your view on, on kind of what it all means and what's going to happen next. Wow. Okay. So um, high level, uh, as you mentioned before, I think the, the well-intentioned part of it was that the government were identifying that more people were renting for longer, so therefore they wanted to give them more um, opportunity for, uh, for long-term tenure, for security of tenure, um, and for a lot more clarity to be around um, a, lot of the, a lot of the legislation and the changes that could be made, such as rent increases or um, when an owner serves a notice to vacate, there's more information that's needed there. So that's probably that in the big picture that I'm quite sure that's where the government was going and that's what they said that they were wanting to focus on. The, the part of it that, as you say, has been well-intentioned um, is that it is now so much harder as an owner of a residential property or an RRP, which, you know, as you said, <laughs> residential rental provider, we, st we still call them owners, you know, they, they own the property, we still call them that, but they're a residential <laughs> rental provider um, and they're no longer tenants, they're renters. Um, but the, it is so much harder now as, as an owner to get possession of your property. And to me, that's, that's the really unfair piece. Um, to say to an owner that they have to jump through hoops in order to get possession of their property when the, the renter, um, and this is not in any way disrespectful, they can wake up one morning and go, no, nah, not feeling it. I think I might move down closer to the, to the beach because that works for me. Um, if they're at the end of their tenancy, um, they can just give 28 days notice and go. Um, but for a landlord, if there's no written lease in Victoria now, so you've gone from a fixed-term tenancy into a, um, into a monthly tenancy, you've got to go through so many hoops in order to, um, to get possession of your property. And you can't just wake up one morning and go, you know what, I think I just want my property back. You've got to provide so much evidence um, if the tenant says, no, nah, I'm not going to go. And from the property management perspective, uh, there's there's so much more that that we have to be aware of um, from you know the safety provisions which I completely applaud and I think it's wonderful, um, but the, the the complexity of that and the understanding of that the minimum standards property managers have now got to be across what all the minimum standards are to the extent of knowing the difference between a lock and a latch. Um, and, you know, looking at every window, opening every window um, to see whether it does open, whether it stays in an open position. And if it doesn't stay in an open position, then we're not meeting minimum standards. Um, closing every blind to make sure that there's, there's reasonable um, block out of light in the, in the room. If there isn't, we're not meeting minimum standards. Um, there's that word reasonable again. I was just going to ask about the wording of yep. minimum standards. Oh, we love reasonable. Clearly defined or whether it was like, hey, as long as it's reasonable. It's the vibe. You know, my reasonable can be very different to your reasonable. Um, well, yeah, that's an and reasonable light. Um, so <laughs> what is re a reasonable light? Reasonable light. So you know, natural light in um, in a property. So if you've got a um, a kitchen or a bathroom that doesn't have natural light, um, it has to be deferred light, or we have to make sure that the light in there is fit for purpose, so you can basically 
be cutting an onion and not you know cut your finger off um so there's there's just all these and I, like i said i'm sure that they were I'm sure they were well-intentioned and i'm sure they did just want to make sure that people weren't renting caves um and that's fine the the percentage of the market that even consumer affairs have have you know i've been in meetings with with people when all this was happening they acknowledge that it's less than 10% of the market that were stuck in this cycle of having to pay rent on properties that were substandard. Um, and they didn't want to request maintenance because they thought if they requested maintenance, then the, the landlord was going to put the rent up or throw them out or whatever it was. Now, and I know that that exists. I know that there is a sector of the market that's like that, but they've made legislation to capture that part of the market, which is now having a massive knock-on effect um on on the majority of the market to the extent that we're losing landlords now there is a lot of people who are just going okay the sale market's going crazy look how much it's going to cost me to to hold on to my rental property look at how much i've got to spend on it now my rent has gone back in victoria maybe between 15 to 18 percent um what am i doing i might as well just you know get rid of it and um make a bit of money go invest it somewhere else and make you know one percent a year um but that that's what's that's what is legitimately happening um and you said before about people exiting their financial services um my god you cannot get a property manager for love nor money in victoria i was, I was about to ask that there was oh. an article that came out about um i think it was in the fin review so yeah, it was 30 percent of property managers have now left and we are certainly hearing this from our clients as we talk to them about, you know, the next steps and some of the stuff they're wrestling with. Yep. Is that your observation? Is, yep. that, a, is that a pretty consistent kind of number? Absolutely. It, it is 100% so accurate. Um, we've got them under pressure post-COVID. They're leaving the industry. And now we've put a bigger barrier on entry in terms of the requirements to start the role. This sounds like a recipe for disaster. It's just a perfect storm down here. Um because COVID, and, and I know everyone in real estate understands this, during COVID, people got beat up. They literally just got beat up, especially in Victoria, because everyone kept getting locked down and, um, and you know, no one was happy. So, and then there was the, the, um, the request for rent reductions, having to negotiate that, having to sit and listen to, to the, the agony on both sides of the conversation. Um, and so that was emotionally draining. And then they get to the end of it and get told, well, here's 127 changes that we thought you might enjoy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, vacancies are massive. It's, it's, it's a hard slog. So, Sophie, we've, we've spoken about the, I guess, the bit of a stuff exodus from the industry. It's now more difficult to become a property manager. Uh, the the education requirement is more significant. The the cost and the time investment is there as well. And obviously, you know, we're all for escalating professional standards. But is there a concern that this might actually be uh, a barrier to being able to fill roles in the industry? And if so, you know, how do we go about navigating that? Um, I think I think there is concern that um, that because it's there's so much more education that people have got to do that it is going to turn people off joining the industry. Um, or, you know, if they join the industry, they'll just go straight over into sales or, you know, something along those lines that doesn't have the, you know, the massive um, educational requirements around the changes to legislation and stuff. But um, I think 
Do you know what? It just is what it is. This is the whole thing. This is this is what I kind of probably my mantra in life. You know, it, it is what it is. You can you can spend time crying in a corner over it, or you can actually just go, all right, what are we going to do? Um, so you know, if you cry in the corner, the problem's still there at the end of it. So you probably just wasted a little bit of time. <laughs> You're also out of tissues. <laughs> but uh, I think the the things that people are concentrating on is um, is the enormity of the task. Now, if you break it down. Um, into you know into smaller bits that people can can understand and can work through, um, then you know we, we'll all get there in the end. I mean, twelve months ago in Victoria, we were all hysterical because we we're in lockdown. We had new legislation we had to deal with. We didn't know how the hell we were supposed to move people in and out of properties when we couldn't physically meet them at the property. Um, how are people going to um, apply for properties when they couldn't physically go and see it? But we found a way through all that stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll find a way through this. It's, it's actually, it's not Armageddon. It's not the end of the world. Um, but what I'm, what I'm sincerely hoping by the end of it is that there might actually be a shift in the mindset of, of clients who don't go looking for the super cheap option of management. They actually accept and understand that, like with anything, if you if you want good quality, you need to pay for good quality. So if you want to take the risk of paying, you know, four percent, which is what we do down here in Victoria, um, or six months commission free before you get your four percent, um, then you know those those kind of things. If if you want to do that, you can do that, but you are taking a certain level of risk with your property versus perhaps paying. Um, for a, a property manager who actually knows what they're doing end to end and can support you all the way through. Um, in order for us to achieve that as a business, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to chop down the number of properties that a property manager can, that we expect them to manage um, and have them be more educated and responsible and, um, and involved with the management of the property. Um, but to do that, we actually need the fees to be higher because we need to pay the property managers what they're actually worth. Let's face it, you know. Um, they, they do a, a, a really good, amazing job. Um, and I think the, the other thing that's probably missing um, in the communication piece at the moment is that there are, there are really great highs in property management. There are, there are wonderful relationships that you build with people. Um, you know, it, it's, it can actually be really enjoyable and really fun. I mean, the crazy things that happen in property management that, that you know, you just, you, you cry laughing with some of them, but, um, you know, it's, 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 it's actually not all that crap. Um, <laughs> it's got a bad that rap, can be, I That think. can be the slogan for the industry. The new, <laughs> it's not, not all that crap. crap. <laughs> property management, it's not all that crap. <laughs> Sophie, I'd love to kind of reflect on the last 12 months and talk about uh i guess i think we can all agree it's probably it's been the most challenging time that any of us have seen in the industry but are there things that you learned out of the last 12 months that you will continue to do in your business or was it a kind of a, a moment of working on a you know a gorilla type operation and now you can kind of return to a business as usual rhythm can you chat to us about that yeah i think um I think there's a few things that that we wanted to try and hold on to. Um, but I think one of the things that I probably got most out of COVID, which, you know, there is a, a you know, silver lining to it in any way, shape or form, um, is that I actually started having really genuine conversations with people. Um, so rather than just the, 
you know, hi, I'm ringing up about your rent increase, blah, blah, blah. It, it, it sort of went into a territory that um, I'm not normally like a very fluffy kind of person, um, if you haven't picked that up already. Um, <laughs> but, but I actually, I really quite enjoy just talking to people. And, you know, suddenly I was talking to people about their feelings and you know, all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, that, for me, that was kind of new territory. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, even, even people I didn't know all that well, you know, you'd be on the phone for 15 minutes with someone who was ringing up to try and get a donation or something. And then they just started talking to you. And so you'd listen and you'd, you know, um, so it was, for me, that was probably the big kind of, um, unusual part that I sort of thought was quite nice, but from a business perspective, I think, um, there's, there's definitely aspects of it that we were, um, that we are actually trying to hold on to. Um, so, you know, it's something as stupid as key safes, right? So key safes in property management, we never really utilised a great deal because there, we always had so many properties vacant and things. But, um, you know, being able to use them from a move-in, move-out perspective for tenants so they don't actually have to come into the office and pick the keys up and do that whole dance that, you know, they're, they're trying to find a car spot, they come in, can't find the keys or someone's in reception and they're really busy and they've got to hang around for ages. So I think that's been probably one of the good ones. Um, letting people, um, you know, that don't necessarily have to come into the office, drop their keys off when they vacate, they can leave them in the property. Um, and, you know, if we've got a set of keys, we just let ourselves in, pick those keys up and away we go. Um, so from, from those kind of, I mean, they're so minor, um, but also, becoming very, uh, very digital. So, you know, all those forms that you used to print off and people that, you know, put them in a file and they'd take them over and it's like, nah, gone. Because we couldn't, where, where was the, where was the file? Where was the piece of paper? Who did you give it to? Um, so I think there's a lot of officers that went down that path um, as well, that just suddenly found themselves in a position of, oh my God. Um, and the working from home part of it as well. Um, we, I, that's something that I always wanted to do, but we sort of couldn't quite figure out exactly how to make it happen. And then it just had to happen. So, um, we, we've still got that going in our team. So we're doing a three, two split. So you're three days in two days home. Um, and then the next week it reverses, um, and people are enjoying that, but we're also seeing people still wanting to come into the office. Um, so we're, we're kind of. We're not 100% strong on the three, two. You know, if you want to do it, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, which also reduces um, stress on, you know, things like parking and um, in the office. So it sort of makes it a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. Yeah, um, commuting. And it also goes to show that people still value that human connection piece as well. Yeah, exactly. But we had a couple of people who started working with us over COVID. So, you know, they'd been working with us for six months and no one had actually met them physically. <laughs> yeah, in person, um, yeah. So it was it was crazy. That that side of it was was crazy. Um, but you know, again, just had to do it. Sophie, I want to I want to finish with our final question that we ask all of our guests. Um, you've had an amazing amount of experience across the industry. With the benefit of that experience, if you could go back and look yourself in the eye from day one in property management, what advice would you give day one Sophie on the path she's about to go down? Oh, can, can I just be like really like pathetic and say that I, I wouldn't change it? I don't, I don't think that's there's awesome. anything yeah, that great. I would, would say journey. to myself that um, 
because it's all just yeah it's all it's all been even when it's been really crap it's it hasn't it's come out and it's been okay um so I, I just think maybe have a little bit more fun don't kind of take yourself quite so seriously kid um <laughs> but beyond that nah I wouldn't honestly wouldn't change a minute That's all we have time for today. If you'd like to know more about Sophie, you can find her on LinkedIn. Uh, we'll post that link and the links for Jealous Craig and REIB in the show notes on the journal at colmio.com. Sophie, a huge thank you for all your time and wisdom today. Oh, it's entirely my pleasure. Thank you very much. It's great to have you with us, Sophie. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Agency of Change. We'll see you next time.